This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted. Intercepted. And it's down the ball. Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. Hi, everybody. Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Hey, go easy on Bill Walton for me. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I love Bill. People hate him, and I love him. But I take it at face value. I don't sit here and critique Bill for his basketball knowledge or, or X's and O's. I, I'm entertained, and I, I appreciate it. I I appreciate him a lot more than the guys that sit there and try and talk about stuff that clearly they have no idea what they're talking about. And he just doesn't care. Like he's, you know, he's high or whatever he's got going on. He doesn't care. Your your drinking game last night. I bring that up. You cracked me up saying, hey, I got plastered drinking every time Bill Walton said Conference of Champions. Well, I I stopped. I'll be honest. I mean, just full full disclosure there. I I, I mean, like it is a fun game. Normally, normally you can, you know, and I was drinking beer. So, like, let's stop there. I mean, if you're if you were taking shots, you were torpedoed within the first 10 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. But I was just taking a sip of beer. And then, I don't know. I mean, he must have said it in the first half probably 20-something times, I'm guessing. And, I, I like, I stopped halfway through. I'm like, this is ridiculous. He's literally every sentence. So I don't know if he made a bet with, like, one of his buddies. Like, guess how many times I can get Conference of Champions worked <laughs> into a broadcast. Because it was freaking insane. Yeah. Well, big, big game, though. I mean, heck. Great game. They had to have something else to talk about because the Ducks freaking smoked them. It, it blew me away. Yeah. Absolutely. This team, maybe I'm crazy. They're on fire. I do this every year. I get way overhyped about a team. We're going to talk about this later on the pod. You win your last four regular season games. You beat the best team in the conference to wrap it up. And then you smoke Wazoo. Right. Smoke them. No, I mean, it just it wasn't even close. Um, no, and it's, it, it's better team basketball. I know that's something that you and I have talked a lot about is Man, can they sync up and, yes. and really, you know, I mean, we, we've praised the women for uh, their ability to play team basketball, even with the superstars they have on the team. And the men didn't weren't really doing that at any point. And now they're doing it. And, you know, everybody, even on the broadcast last night, it's like, man, imagine this team with Bol Bol. You know, I mean, just shoot. I mean, we knew it was going to be a good team. Yeah. Bol Bol gets injured. It changes things. I get it. The dynamic's different. Um, you know, Wooten was injured there for a period. I, you know, I get it. Uh, but I think really what's... I think the here's a good way to put it: the emergence and the the development of Francis Okoro is giving you a glimpse of what this team would be like with Bol Bol. Of course, they're not the same caliber player. I don't pretend that they are, but having that big man, that presence, somebody to really lock down the five spot for you, which Okoro is doing, he's playing some tremendous basketball. Yes, that's been the difference maker, in my opinion. I totally agree. We'll dive into that a little bit later. Also, we've got a great football guest coming up, Micah awesome. Pittman, freshman yeah. wideout. I'm looking forward to that. He just got a root canal. So we, yeah, we were texting about it, and I said, he said, "Well, I'm, I'm getting a root canal. I'm not sure I could do it." And I said, "Oh, no problem." And then, and then, he, and I said, "Actually, if you're high on gas, this could be an epic interview." Yeah. He, he said, "Okay, I'll do it." So I don't think he's he's not. But uh, anyways, it was a fun exchange. But yeah, excited to have Pittman. 
Um, I think Oregon fans are excited for him to come. Um, you know, again, what just doing this early here, this is a reminder, it's midday Thursday. So, so far we've seen game one of the Pac-12 junior day uh, of the Pac-12 tournament. So the, the men, of course, play again tonight, which yeah. if you listen to this on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, you'll know the outcome of games, uh, which we won't be able to talk about. You'll be thinking, man, these guys were really optimistic about the <laughs> Pac-12 tournament champs. Yeah, they could lose later tonight. We're going to be like, oh, crap. I just did it, you know. <laughs> uh, and then uh, secondly, Oregon is about to start pro day uh, here in about an hour on campus uh, with Ugo, uh, Jalen Jelks, Justin Hollins. Those guys will, will be doing that. But, of course, we're re- recording before that goes down. Won't be a ton of news from that, but it'll just be, uh, you know, something good, something going yeah. on today, something to follow. Yeah. There's no practice. There's no football practice today, so at least there's that. Hey, maybe yeah. Ugo Amadi flies even further up the draft charts. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes there's a spot for just a smart football player. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Tyrone Matthew. I mean, just I just knows where to be when the football's out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not big. He's not strong. Yeah. And, of course, there's always a, a Tyrone Matthew. Obviously, you know, you get a guy like Ed Reed or somebody who's on, unreal with be- better physical traits. That's That's ideal. But, you know, there's a spot for a guy like Ugo out there. Yeah. Yeah, Ed Reed in football, Babe Ruth in baseball. Everybody's looking for that perfect body. Well, I look at Patrick Chung. I mean, I didn't really think he was an NFL safety, and he's had a hell of a career. Mm-hmm. You know, former Oregon safety. He's had a hell of, you know, one, I don't know how many Super Bowls he's got with the Patriots, but it's three or four, I think. That's a hell of a career. Yeah. yeah. And he's not the biggest or strongest or fastest guy. He just has a knack for the football and loves to lay people out, or at least he used to back in the day. I think he's gotten a little older. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Football, basketball, spring sports with a really fascinating baseball game back on Tuesday. And then also an interview with Micah Pittman. Let's get to that now. Yeah. Micah Pittman, Duck Freshman Whiteout here with us. Micah, my favorite question to ask guys is always, why Oregon? (laughs) Um... There's many reasons to it. Um, first, I would probably say Mario Cristobal. Um, he's just a great man, honestly. Um, just getting to know him and understanding what he's here for and stuff like that is just really, really cool and awesome to see how down to earth he is. And like I said, getting to know him. And then obviously, Coach Arroyo. He's making he's making sure I'm on top of my game, Coach Cross, all of them. So I mean, from the coaching aspect of things, I just saw a lot of opportunity, and I saw um, I saw good things in the future, and I and I already knew about Oregon's facilities and all that. That that wasn't my biggest attraction, but it is a good thing for to have on the side. So, um, but definitely the opportunity that uh, that was given to me um, to come in and handle business and hopefully start. Obviously, I mean, I have the confidence. I believe I should be able to start first game of the season against Auburn. So, But I know that comes with work and studying and film room and all that stuff. So I'm more than excited to see what the future holds. Um, you know, I know it's been discussed, and I don't know if you've thought about it anymore, uh, you know, just in signing and everything, but, uh, you know, the big the big part of your recruitment was the fact that, you know, you made a top 10, Oregon wasn't anywhere on that list, and that was back in the spring yeah. last year. Um, you know, I'm sure it, it was a lot of work, you know, texts and, and, and direct messages and the, and the things that the coaches were doing, but what, 
you know, what really kind of won you over to at least kind of get Oregon back on that list initially for them to, you know, be able to be in position to sign you? I mean, the funny part is, is um, Coach Johnson, who's not with us anymore, but he's at Mississippi State, mm-hmm. uh, he he actually contacted me. Um, he DM'd me, like, where's Oregon in your top ten? And he put, like, a laughing emoji. I was like, you guys haven't talked to me. And then right after, right after I told him that, it was Coach Crystal Ball, Coach Arroyo, Coach Cross, Coach Johnson at the time, uh, Director Personnel. It was like everybody blew up my phone. And I was like, oh, snap, this is like, okay. And then, um, <laughs> and then it was consistent, though. They stayed consistent with it. It was like every day, like, might you checking in on you, see how you're doing, stuff like that. And then um, even coming from the head guy, he would text me every morning. He would ask me, like, how's the day going? Not even football-related stuff. He would always be in contact and stuff like that. So um, I felt the love. And then um, – and then later on in my recruitment, I came out with the top five, and then Oregon was in it. And um, it was a lot of work for them for, to get me, like, to think about Oregon. And then um, I decided, which was kind of funny, too, because I was going to visit Nebraska at a time because I was, I was considering Nebraska, and I felt like Scott Frost was going to do something over there. So I was feeling it a little bit. And then, um, and then on the visit, uh, I guess Scott had a meeting or something like that. So I had to cancel my visit, and then I replaced it with Oregon. And then I wasn't expecting it to be as great as it was, and it was it was so awesome. And when I came out the elevator, it was me and Jeremiah Criddle at the time when we visited. When we came out the elevator, it was the whole coaching staff through the head coach to to the equipment guys. Like, it was, like, everybody over there, and they were just, just happy to see us and stuff like that. And it just made you feel at home. A home atmosphere, and even talking with Kayvon and um, and Josh Delgado, they're telling me they're loving it up there. I mean, they're telling me you got to work. Obviously, I mean that's the football, that's the football life. You got to work and handle business, but they're just telling me it's been great, and they've said everything, the truth. Everything they said is the truth. So that's what they've been telling me, and uh, they just told me to come ready and be prepared for everything. Talking with Micah Pittman, incoming freshman at receiver for the Duck football team. Micah, a couple weeks back, we spoke with Coach Cristobal here on the pod, and we were chatting about how your dad was a Super Bowl champion back in the day. What sort of yeah. impact did he have on your process? Um, I mean, he did have a good impact on my process. My dad, um, he would suggest the school, but he would never tell me where to go. He's never done that. To me, he never wants to put that pressure on me. He wants me to leave the decision on my shoulders. And if I pick the wrong school, it's my fault, not his fault. So, so, um, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want, um, doesn't want any of that pressure on him. He's always kind of allowed me to take it in and soak it in because it's my recruitment. It's not his recruitment. He's already been through that process. And he, he would give me tips on what I should look for in a school or look for in a coach and stuff like that. But he would never tell me where to go and stuff like that. But he was a big, impactful thing. And all the things my dad told me to look for in a coach, Mario Cristobal, checked off all those things. So um, just just seeing that and his loyalty to the program, he he could have he actually could have left Oregon too, and but he decided to stay because he felt like he he's building something there, and I feel like he is too. So I'm just excited for it. Yeah, definitely, uh, you know, not something a lot of, uh, I think, 
everyday fans know, but there was a real push from Miami. Uh, you know, yeah, to, to Miami get, was coming hard. Yeah, yeah, they wanted him hard, and I and I think you know that obviously that says a lot to coach you know about Coach Cristobal to really you know pass up that opportunity to stay because uh, like you said, bringing in this class and then the guys before you and, and you know kind of what he's been building. He's he's right on the cusp there, but uh, still some work to yeah. do. Uh, what, yeah, what yeah. what's your dad up to these days, Micah? Um, right now he's taking care of my baby brother. Right now he's two years old, so um, oh man, he's doing that right now. Um, he's yeah, he's just chilling right now, and he's he's just living his his best life, I guess you could say. Yeah. Does uh does your uh, little brother have a an Oregon jersey yet? Yeah. <laughs> um, nah, but my whole family does. My stepmom, my mom, um, my dad. Um, I think they're probably going to order my little brother one because they all got custom ones, so they they they're make sure his is custom. <laughs> nice, nice. So you know, kind of going back, I know you took the visit to Oregon. Uh, you know, I ran into you at the opening and some and some other things. When did you uh, when did you kind of know? Hey, Oregon's the school. Was there was there a point in time where you know maybe right after the visit or or a month later, a couple of months later? Hey, you know what? I, I'm really thinking it's Oregon. I mean, when did you kind of know? Well, I I can't even exactly tell you the date, but I I can tell you where I felt like it was it was time for me to commit. Um, it was it was really close between. Florida, Oregon, and um, Alabama and stuff like that. And then I, I really kind of knocked off Alabama because I felt like they weren't keeping in the greatest contact, but they were keeping in contact. They were interested, but it wasn't the best. And then I just kind of realized that um, I wanted, I need to go to a school that needs me instead of wants me, you know? Sure. So I felt like Oregon needed me to help in the receiver room and stuff like that. Cause I'm, I'm a natural leader and I naturally want to win games. Like I will take a loss very personal. And if I didn't take things personal, I wouldn't have the strive that I have. So um, I'm always trying to get better. And I felt like I could better that program. And I felt like they can make me better also. And just seeing how Mario Cristobal wants to develop us as a student athlete, as a young man and stuff like that. Um, it just made me. It made me feel like I was needed at that school, and um, that's that's where I really felt felt like I should go because you shouldn't go to a school that 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 wants you. I mean, yes, it's great that they want you and all this stuff. I had great opportunities, but if you go to a school that needs you and stuff like that, I feel like you'll be used to your full potential too. Micah, I love that vision you have. I love that passion you have there. You're you're right on. Right off the top of this interview, you mentioned how your goal is to start when the season opens against Auburn. I'd love yeah. to know what you're working on to get to that point. Oh, I mean, I've been uh, – I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you when I started training for this college season. It's been forever ago, but I've been training forever. I've been working on my speed, working on my vertical, actually, Um my strength is God-given. My speed is God-given. But I'm always trying to make it better and for like perfect my craft and become become more elusive, become faster, become stronger, and stuff like that. And I feel like if I can take that to another level, I can live out my dreams and do do the things I really want to do in life. And um, I'm just excited to see where it takes me. I know it comes with work, and I know nothing's going to be handed to you. 
and I have that mindset where you gotta if if you're hungry, you gotta eat. So there's only <laughs> one plate on that table, and there's five receivers in that receiver room. Someone's gotta eat. So that's my plan is to eat the whole meal by myself. So. <laughs> but no, no, but it's all good. I definitely want to spread the love, and I want everyone to succeed. I want to make everyone better on the team, and I, I'm just gonna strive to be the best best football player I can be. Uh, so I know you're close friends with Josh Delgado, and um, yeah, and, and I know that was a big part of, well, really the recruitment of both of you. Um, you know, he's he's yeah. there now. He's going through practices. What's he kind of relayed to you a little bit so far from from what he's you know what he's learned and what he's going through? Yeah, actually, uh, I hit up Josh uh, actually yesterday, and um, I just said, "How's everything going, man? Just checking up on him and stuff." And he's like, "Man, it's great." Uh, just. He said uh, as soon as he gets the hang of things and stuff like that, he feels like he can get up there and play right away also. So, I mean, it's the opportunity is there. It's it's for the taking. And so um, we just got to take we – we got to come full speed and we got to uh, be the best players we can be and understand the playbook inside and out. And so um, have the coaches have confidence in us when it comes to game time and stuff like that and just build a relationship with them. And, uh, yeah, just stay focused on that playbook and definitely be a student of the game. And that's great. And, and uh, you know, to be honest, through the through various sources and the grapevine, I've heard Josh is one of the hardest workers on the team already. I mean, that he's yeah. he's showed up with a purpose and, you know, not just uh, going through the motions. He's I think the, the strength and conditioning program is really paying off for him um, yeah. already because we know Coach Feld can do that. Um, yeah. uh, you, uh, you get on campus, uh, in a couple weeks. Is that right? What's kind of your time frame for, for getting um, to Oregon? Yes. Uh, exact. I'm counting down 14 days <laughs> now for me. Nice. And, um, uh, I got 14 more days of studying and training until I finally get up there. So, um, but yeah, uh, I get up there the 28th. I don't start practice until the first and I don't start school till the first cause the core system's a little iffy. So, I mean, it's great when you're in it, but enrolling is a little difficult. So, right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's really what we'll be at, or I'll be at. Yeah, 14 days coming into Eugene right after spring break. What are you going to study, Micah? Um, right now, I want to be – I kind of want to be a sports analyst type guy. I want to be the, the shack of football at, at the end of my career and stuff like that. So Broadcasting. Yeah, I want to be in like a broadcasting type uh, study. And so, but God forbid anything goes wrong, maybe like get into some business and stuff like that. What uh, What did you want to be growing up? Is that what, I mean, obviously, you know, you're still a teenager, at least as far as yeah. I'm concerned. But what, what did you kind of yeah. want to be growing up back in the day? Um, I always wanted to be an NFL player. Um, as, a, as a kid, I had a goal and made my mindset up. I mean, watching my father also. I wore his number when I first uh, played football. It was he was twenty eight on the Broncos, and when he was on the Broncos, I wore twenty. I wore twenty eight too at my little <laughs> Adelaide Church League. It was <laughs> it was the only league my mom let me play in was pad. So, <laughs> uh, so I definitely had fun there. But I always looked up to him, and um, so I always wanted to be like him and even be better than him. Just like my brother, I always look up to him. And my brother, my brother could have went to the draft this year. He was projected third round or something like that. But he he felt like he could do better than that. Um, going fighting through injuries and stuff like that. 
Um, he believes he can be a first rounder, and so do I. So um, yeah, I'm just I'm looking up to those guys, and like those guys definitely set the path for me. And I always want to do better than them. And if it wasn't for them, I don't believe I'd be the player I am today. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, for your brother with regards to being at USA, hopefully the the offensive coordinator can maybe utilize this skill set a little better and and yeah, exactly up his up his stock because I agree with you. He's definitely got the potential. He's got the big game potential. Um, yeah, and I know you do too, but you're a little younger, so you still got some work to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yep. That's that's very true. Have you uh, have you had the opportunity to to, to talk to uh, Coach Booknight yet, or Coach Bo, and 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 kind of uh, build a little bit of a relationship with him? Yeah, Coach Bo actually called me. Um, he just introduced himself to me, to my dad, to my mom. Um, uh, he just said uh, we're really looking forward to it, and he says the same thing stands the opportunities there, Pittman, and you just need to grab it and that's what coach cross tells me every time we go over plays together um that's what coach royal has been telling me ever since he's been recruiting me he just tells me you just got to go in there and take advantage of the opportunity you have and um and go out there and be great basically so yeah so you've uh what are where are you at height and weight rise uh right now um i actually weighed in 206 foot oh wow six foot 200 pounds is it? Yeah, I got I've got some weight on me. I've been training a lot, and I've been making sure I got the speed too. So um, I maybe kind of want to die down and get to like 195 before I get up there because I already know Coach Field is going to get me is going to get me even heavier. So yeah, yeah, no, he's he's definitely uh, got the ability to uh, put some pounds on you. Is is uh, yeah. Is 200 uh, a little bit more than where you were playing at uh, when you ended your senior year, or is that pretty much about the same? Um, yeah, it's pretty much about the same. Um, I think I ended my senior year at, like, 198. Um, my uh, The biggest I ever been was 205. Um, I felt like I was too big, so uh, <laughs> I definitely leaned out. And I dropped down to 188 before the season. I put on uh, 10 more pounds during the season. And um, I finished, like, 198, like I said. But I feel like the good weight for me is 200, and the 195 range is the good weight where I feel comfortable and feel able to move and still feel like I have my speed and stuff. Definitely. Um, I'm a big fan of, of kind of, of this and, and kind of being self-aware and, and knowing your weaknesses, if you will. So uh, yeah. d- definitely don't take this as a detriment. But, I mean, if there's one area of your game that you really th- feel like, hey, I really need to work on this, you know, is, is route running or technique or, uh, you know, catch radius, is is there something that you've really kind of been focused on improving in your game personally? Um. To be 100% honest with you, I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, my, um, I, can't, I can't tell you off the top of my head. Maybe, like, working on my speed to get faster. I mean, I'm, I'm like a 4 or 5 guy, so I want to get faster, obviously. And that will come as my body matures and stuff like that. But um, probably my speed and um, maybe uh, I can't even tell you because even on the jump balls, I, I believe I'm going to get it every time. So I can't. Uh, I don't like, I, I guess people would knock me from my height. Um, but for me, I don't see it as a, as an issue because I still feel like I can go up and go get it no matter what, no matter how tall the DB is, no matter who it is. So I feel like in my mentality, I feel like it's mine 
and no one else is going to take it. So, um, yeah, I'll probably say the speed is probably what I probably would have to work on a little bit more. Um, probably my long speed. There we go. My long speed would probably be there you where go. I need to work. I, I have a good burst, but um, if I can work on that long speed, I feel like it could be deadly. Nice. Yeah, so the the short area quickness, it, you're good with that. It's just kind of that that uh, full field speed, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, I know you were a really good part of, of recruiting uh in your 2019 class i know you worked on several guys not just receivers but uh you know yeah. i've got to ask obviously calabasas uh is, has somewhat reloaded at the receiver position behind you you know johnny wilson being one of those guys tell us a little bit about there you've been working on some of those guys is there some are there some other guys you've been recruiting you know to oregon that you have a relationship with or what have you been kind of doing on that front I mean, yeah, um, that's those are my guys, Johnny and Jermaine. Those are my guys, 100%. Um, but I'll never put the pressure on them because I already know what it's like going through it, and I felt the most pressure, and I understand what they're going through and stuff like that. But I'll tell them. I'll tell them. I'll be like, it's a great opportunity, guys. You guys want to come, come. Uh, but it's totally up to them. I feel like if they feel like they made the best decision, whether it's Oregon or not, I'm happy for them because those are like my brothers and I, I want nothing but the best for them and I want them to strive to be great also. But uh, I would love for them to be my teammates because we have a great bond. It's, it's fun to to clown around and have fun with them and score touchdowns and talk trash to DBs <laughs> and stuff like that together. So so it's always great. It's always a great time with them. But like I said, whether it's Oregon or not, I'm wish them the best. Those are my brothers and I hope to see them at the top. Uh, and and again, I don't want to. I don't want you to speak on their behalf of of their recruitments because I understand how that goes. But just with yeah. your, with your current relationship with them, if you if you had to, you know, kind of guess, you know, which do you think one of them maybe has a little bit more interest in Oregon than the other? Is that is you know is either? Um, a, I mean, they're both probably equally. I know Jermaine's a Southern boy. He has the accent and everything, <laughs> but. Um, but I mean, it's his recruitment. It's what he wants to do. I mean, we we gotten some Southern guys to Oregon. I really can't tell you. Um, it's probably a fifty-fifty between them. Uh, but I mean, they're looking at all the schools. If I'm being hundred percent honest, they're not just looking at Oregon or certain schools. They're looking at everybody. They're considering everybody. So uh, there's not much I can really speak on for that. But yeah, that's really it. You know, and sort of, and that's and that's great. Like I say, I I know how it is when you're a recruit. You know, you don't want to talk. You know, on the other guy's yeah. behalf, it's you know, it's bad enough when the the media gets stuff you say wrong. So I I understand how that yeah, goes. Exactly. <laughs> we get things wrong. Yeah, we once once. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. why that's why when you're online media, you can always delete it. You know, when it goes to print, you're screwed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. There's your, there's exactly. your fir- there's your first broadcasting lesson. But um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. R- wrapping up here, Mike. Uh, we want to let you go and and probably relax a little bit here um what's sort of uh in your mind you're 14 days away you're heading to oregon you are probably well aware of the quarterback that's back there and and how elite he is yep the number one pick next year for sure but number one guy yeah that's got to be exciting to be able to play with him for a year um I, I think you're also aware that there's probably a legitimate chance for you to at least push uh for early playing time at oregon uh, at yeah. receiver, what what are some of your goals for this season that you've kind of set up going into this? 
I mean, you guys are probably going to think my goals are ridiculous, but uh, these are my goals, and I feel like if I don't achieve them or if I get close to those limits, I feel like those goals are good, like good for me. But uh, I want to, I want to break a thousand my first year as a freshman. I want to, I want to get at least sixty touches at least, and um, stuff like that. I want to be a guy that can be a household name in college. Um, I have a mentality that is through the roof, and I want to be the best I can be. But um, I, and I want to help Oregon win. Um, I would love to win a national championship my freshman year, having the having that main guy and having that main guy throwing you the ball. So I mean, what's the great opportunity than him throwing you the ball? But uh, it's definitely it's definitely another level too. Uh, college is a hundred percent different than high school. Speed, the work ethic, the coverages, the disguises, all of those stuff um, I have to take into play. So I'm studying, I'm doing everything I can to understand and come in and handle business and stuff like that. But um yeah, like if my if I could tell you my goals, I want I want over a thousand yards and I want over sixty touches. But um I know it's gonna come with a lot of work. I know it's gonna be difficult and stuff like that. And as a freshman I'm gonna have to work and I'm gonna have to make my name respected amongst the older guys too. And um, I respect all of them too, and just respecting their game too. And um, that's really all I can say. And I hope to win a national championship. That is a long, long throw, but I really hope to. And I know we have the line to do it. We have the quarterback to do it. Oh, we yeah. have the receivers to do it. We have we have the defense to do it. So I believe that we can make it happen. And if not, then the next year we're going to win. And if not, that next year we're going to win the next year. So it's. It's all good, and in my mind, I'm hoping the best for the team, and um, I wanna I wanna be the best player I can be and help the team win as much as possible. And um, I just can't wait to actually play college football instead of watch it this time because just hearing those fans cheer for you and stuff like that, it puts me in a zone where like I can never reach until I hit the football field. So I'm just more than excited, and my goals are through the roof. And um, I'm just I'm ready to go and ready to take advantage of the opportunity I have. Yeah, the the game definitely changes a little bit when you step on the field and there's sixty thousand looking down on you screaming. You know that definitely exactly <laughs> that exactly. changes the pre- things. The pressure's there. The pressure's <laughs> there, but you got to got to handle it well. So, and I love how you answered that because I'll, I'll make sure that this is out there. I, I I want people to know that I believe that Micah Pittman is, is a very confident player, not a cocky player, but a very confident mm-hmm. player. And, and and that's actually a good thing. I mean, there there is there is a fine line, but you know, for somebody like you to come in and say, "Hey, look, I know I need to work, but these are my goals." Yeah. At least you're understanding yeah. that there's work involved, not just, oh, I'm going to do this because I'm a four-star. You know, I mean, that's the wrong. No, yeah, no, it's not that. you got to come in with the respect of your others. Um, I'm not going to come in and be like, I'm the best receiver in this group. I'm going to come in with the mentality of I'm the best receiver, but I'm going to come in and learn from the guys that are above me and ask them questions and what what type of route do they run, what's the best what's the best route to beat this coverage and even signals and all that stuff. I would ask for help. I'm not going to come in and be like, you guys, you guys aren't good and I'm better. No, it's (laughs) never that. I always will have respect for them. And um, I'm a team guy. I always want 
the guys to succeed too. And um, when they score a touchdown, I'll be just as happy as, as if I'm scoring a touchdown too. I'll block my butt off for them. I hope they block their butt off for me. So stuff like that um, is definitely – and, yeah, confidence, I'm not cocky at all. I just The confidence is – I feel like you have to have confidence for this type of game. If you, if you have doubt in your mind that this DB is going to lock you up, then he's going to lock you up. So <laughs> it's, it, it is what it is. And if you have confidence, you can beat him and he gets you one play, okay, come back to the next play and be like, all right, I'm going to get you this time. You're not going to embarrass me in front of all these people. So stuff like that, um, I feel I feel like you need that for, for the game of football. Yeah, you're 100%. Uh, Matt and I have had uh, Coach Feld on a couple of times, and, and he spends about 90% of the time talking about the mental aspect and then like 10% talking about the actual physical part. Yeah, blows me away every yeah. time. Yeah, it's 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 very yeah. good stuff. Um and, and I and yeah, I I think a, yeah very mental game man I think a great a great piece for you is having Juwan Johnson come in you know out of Penn State grad you know he's an experienced guy he's got he's got NF, early NFL round potential if he can put together a full exactly. season um, yeah I'm definitely gonna ask him for tips and learn from him too because I know he's doing it and he's doing it at a at a very a very good pace and stuff like that I actually watched this film from. Penn State, and he's he's definitely a guy for sure. Yeah, and we had him on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, I think. Uh, awesome young man. I mean, just very aware of what he needs to do, and I mean, very humble. You know, much like you, just ready to work. Very, you know, confident but not cocky. I mean, he was he was a very good interview as 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 have you been. And uh, I think with that, we probably should send you off. You probably got some things to do, or you want to rest your mouth. I would I would guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a I got a rest you right now. I can feel it as I speak. You can have like a Slurpee and some soup or something, I guess. Yeah, I got a Jamba Juice right now, actually. So. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, yeah. well, Micah, we really appreciate you taking the time, man, and, and definitely I, I doubt we'll get you on again before you get to Oregon, but we wish you the best of luck. I for sure. Thank you. I love when we bring on guys like that, broadcasting and uh, son of a player. You can just tell there's a certain confidence that young man has. Yeah, I think again the the fine line, you know, between confidence and cockiness. There, you know, a, a player that I <laughs> have long compared that to Vernon Adams. Vernon Adams came into Oregon, played quarterback as a transfer one year. He had a ton of swagger, ton of confidence, but he wasn't cocky. He was still a great. I mean, he had he had the locker room you know, totally pulled in on his side. They so loved him. They loved him. And so, I mean, you know, a, co- a cocky guy is not really going to, going to have that sort of respect. So, you know, I think for, for Micah Pittman, uh, he has established some really lofty goals personally. Uh, you know, I think obviously everybody on the team's hoping to win a national championship, but you know, catching 60 balls, thousand yards, you know, that's tough to do. But again, you know, that's part of the process, make goals and go out and get them. I mean, if he, yeah. you know, if his goals were to catch 20 balls and, you know, post 200 yards, well, he could do that in the first two weeks. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, I, I love that he's confident enough in himself to establish lofty goals like that. I think about it this way. We've talked about it for six months. I mean, even during football season, it was obvious that wide receiver position is the one glaring hole on that football team. The Ducks had a ton of freshmen. And you have one of those freshmen who says, 
I want to start on this team. Yeah, This team needs me, and I want to fill that need. I love that from Micah Pittman. And I see no reason why he can't. I mean, you know, he he has a college-ready body as a high schooler. I mean, if you look at him, he's built like a Mack truck. He, look, he built like he could play running back, but he's going to play receiver. You know, they'll get his speed down. You know, they'll get his, his weight exactly where they want it. Um, you know, I, I, he is a young man with, a, with an, you know, one of the things I've said before, you've got uh, a really, you've got a really high floor with him. You know that the, the lowest baseline is going to be pretty high. And then you've got, a, you know, a really high upside, really high ceiling. And that's that, that if you can get those types of players, you know, that just really elevates your program. Uh, you know, a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, for example, you know, really high floor, super high ceiling. I mean, you're taking a guy that on their worst day, they're going to be a steady contributor on their worst day. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that, uh, it not only sounds like a great <clears throat> recruit, a four-star wideout, but that's the kind of readout for a first-round draft pick. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. That's, that is how the NFL is going to read and evaluate and, and rate these guys. You know, the, the floor and the ceiling, that's something that they're going to look at. You know, sometimes, yeah, you take a guy, uh, you take a flyer, let's just say like an Alvin Kamara, you take a flyer on a guy like that. Uh, you know, I think I think the floor on him could be low because he was a smaller guy, but the ceiling's super high because he's fast and can move. So, you you know, I, would they end up, they got him in like the fourth round, I think, or something like that. Yeah, third or fourth round. Something like, because you, you're waiting, you know, you're waiting him on the on the floor and ceiling. Well, obviously he, he burst through the ceiling and, that, and that's great. That happens from time to time, but, but overall you do have to be, you, you can take some risk, but you also have to be careful with the risk you take. And it's the same at, at college. You can take a couple flyers on a guy, and we've talked about this before. Coach Cristobal, if he's going to take a flyer, typically it's going to be on a guy with length. You know, somebody that, hey, look, all right, maybe this guy isn't playing at the level of, of his peers, but, you know, he's six foot seven with some intangibles, can move really well. You know, we could do something with this body type. And, you know, again, he ends up being – you know, honestly, Jalen Jelks was somewhat like that, a bit of a project, yeah. you know, coming into Oregon yeah. out of high school, out of Arizona. And, uh, you know, take take a guy with length and see what happens with him. That's that's what you do. And, and uh, you know, again, you can't take a full team of guys like that, but you can, you can snag a few and hope it pans out. And then you still got to go find some of those high floor guys, too. Yeah, my, my inner Raider fan is getting some bad flashbacks oh, to the, the, the last years of Al Davis where his whole team was guys like that. Didn't work out too well. I meant to talk to you about the Antonio <laughs> Brown thing, but I forgot. I forgot till you mentioned the Raiders, the Antonio Brown thing. Oh my God, we could spend an hour on that if we wanted to, but I don't uh, know if there's a ducks angle there. Yeah, I, I don't. No, there is. There isn't. <laughs> it's just it, it was really surprising that they jettisoned Amari Cooper out and then go and overpay for Antonio Brown. But yeah. whatever. You're, I don't. You're maybe, telling me. Yeah, maybe it'll play out. Who knows? Whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's not the only side of that. We'll have to share that one off. Here, yeah, but. Micah Pittman, talking about how he's two weeks away from starting his Oregon football career. Yeah. Tell me about some of the guys that are there now as spring practices are underway. Well, we talked about Josh Delgado in that interview. He's there at receiver working out now. And uh, again, all, all, honestly, like I said uh, to, to Micah, you know, I've heard he's been an incredibly hard worker. Um, you know, I don't think that's a young man that's that's cracked the the one deep or even the two deep continuously at this point, but he's pushing, he's getting better. It's three practices in, um, you know, that's, 
to me, he's kind of that Swiss Army knife guy. He's he, he's got speed. He's got short area speed. He can play in the slot. You can play him outside if you need to. It's really nice to have that in your utility belt. You know, a guy like that. Uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau is another guy that's on campus now. Um, you know, I had an update about him. The, the reviews on him have been really good. He's probably the most natural pass rusher that stepped onto campus in a while, maybe ever, uh, for for Oregon. But, you know, he's got some things to continue to work on, uh, you know, uh, with regards to maybe a little bit in, in run support and some other areas, which is very typical of a, of, a, of a freshman that's in his first month or first two months or whatever, you know, of his career. Uh, Kale Millen's on campus. He hasn't been uh, practicing yet. He's just kind of nursing through an injury. More than likely, he should be able to go after spring break. Um Trying to think. Oh, uh, Sala, Mala Asala Amove, the offensive lineman's working. Uh, mammoth of a man. Mammoth of a man, and they've trimmed him down already. So that's, yeah, that's, which needed to happen a little bit. He was, he was, I mean, he's a big guy. Oh, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do. Looks like he's going to probably fall into guard at Oregon and, and really kind of get shuffled into there um, for his career, whether, he, whether he's starting or backing up or whatever he's doing. You know, again, we're only three practices in, so I don't want to, you know, get knee-jerk about how guys are performing or where they're at on the depth chart or anything like that. Uh, and then linebacker Drew Mathis is also on campus. He's a junior college player, so he's got a little bit more experience and a little bit more seasoning. Like Delgado have heard, he's working incredibly hard and doing absolutely everything he can to get on that field. And, uh, you know, only three practices in, but if somebody's working that hard, it's kind of only a matter of time before they really crack into things usually. Uh, more often than not. And then Jim on Eford, G Money, uh, another linebacker, maybe slash stud defensive end, just kind of depending on how he grows. He's a freshman, can get bigger. He's going to start at linebacker. He's there now. Um, you know, I think there's a, a ton of, uh, if you're talking about a guy with a really high ceiling, I think G Money has that. I think there's just so many things for him to learn, uh, you know, not only schematically, just technically. Um, you know, in college at linebacker position. Once he gets some of those things down, his natural ability coupled with that, he's probably going to end up being a really good player, but he might be a year or two away from that. And we've heard Coach Cristobal talk about having developmental guys. You know, football's a developmental sport. So if somebody shows up and they're not a superstar the first eight weeks of their college career, there's no need to put them in the, you know, bus category. Yeah, here's how I see it. You hit earlier on the idea that teams will take a flyer on an athlete. If a guy's six eight, you can't coach that. Right. If a guy's three hundred and he moves like a truck, yeah. you can't coach that. But you don't fill a team with guys like that. You you balance it out where yeah. two thirds are the the high floor, low ceiling guys that you can rely on them. Yeah. You can trust them. They're going to be the same every day in the locker room, the film room, the weight room, the classroom. And they establish the culture to develop that other core of guys. Yeah. You can so, build around them. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're not going to rely on the six, nine freak to just click from his first practice his freshman year, but you give that kid four years and it's kind of like a Quinn and Williams at Alabama. Yeah. Right now he's a top five draftee. He only played one year for Nick Saban, yeah. sat on the bench for three years because he was raw as hell, but they grew him, they developed him, and then that senior year, he was the best defensive lineman in football. You know who recruited him to Alabama, right? Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, my God. That was one of Cristobal's guys. Oh, that's so perfect. Yeah. No. So yeah. perfect. He knows how to identify him, so I mean, you got to give him some credit on that, so... 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, those are some of the guys. I think with the with the highly ranked class, you've got you know two guys that really stick out to me right now that are coming in uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Micah Pittman and Mikael Wright, both of them will be in and start practicing. You know when they resume after spring break, both those guys can come in and you know again I'm going to use the phrasing you know, grab some playing time. I don't want to pencil them in as immediate starters or anything like that, but those are guys that are going to, that are going to definitely push for snaps, meaningful snaps, um, and definitely probably I would have to wager don't end up redshirting this season if I had to guess right now. But So helps on the way. Uh, you know, I've heard the defense is, has, has been really good. There have been, you know, virtually no setbacks with a new defensive coordinator learning terminology, any of that. I've heard the defense has actually, uh, you know, played really strongly. I think the offense is still kind of trying to find its rhythm a little bit through the first few practices, which is totally normal. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, this time of the year in any level yes. could be pro, college. I've seen high school practices in the summertime. The defense always wins. Absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, offense is so much, you know, based on rhythm and execution. I mean, you've got to do those things perfectly for whatever play you've drawn up to work. Uh, otherwise, the defense has the advantage. So, you know, uh, nothing alarming. Um, I wrote some updates in the juice this morning, which is my weekly insider. Some really good football-related tidbits in there and then some recruiting stuff. Oregon had three unofficial visitors yesterday, uh, yesterday being Wednesday, excuse me, from Texas. Um, all you know, all four-star big-time defensive backs, Xavier Alford, uh, Dwight McLaughlin, Josh Eaton, all three of them. I've got reports on all three of them that were, were glowing. They loved the visit. They were able to see practice yesterday. Um, you know, there should be some guys on campus this weekend for Oregon. So there's a lot going on as far as football goes, you know, not just um, – not just practice. I mean, there's definitely, you know, we got the pro day today, which you and I are pretty much recording through right now. Um, but yeah, lots going on. And then there's those other sports too. Man, that pro day. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how much fun the scouts probably have, you know, cause they, they, they get to see a glistening facility. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, we obviously aren't in Eugene, but the weather's really nice down here today. So it looks like they probably have a, hopefully they've got a decent day outside for them and they can go outside and do it and kind of enjoy like a early spring day in Eugene, Yeah. which, which isn't a bad thing at all. No. Hey, no right. rain. No, no rain is a win right no. there. Nope. I got some buddies that are still head fishing today. I went a couple of weeks ago and they they said it's beautiful out today. So they're loving it. It, it definitely can sour a weekend but no rain no, no souring there yeah. uh we'll talk about maybe the spring sports and the effect of the weather there a little later on the pod but let's look at the basketball team playing in the pac-12 tournament you mentioned earlier that we recorded this on a thursday yeah just an interesting week for us scoop duck and hi-fi but right now the Oregon men look like the best team in the Pac-12. Isn't it? It's just crazy. It's just absolutely. I know. I know. We kind of led in with this a little bit, but obviously, you know, in my mind, just to recap that, the emergence of Francis Okoro has really propelled this team to be better defensive because they're better defensively. And I think a big part of that is not only do you have the big man presence, but I've always said Kenny Wooten plays better when he can play off a big man. He always does when he's able to rotate and move and come in and, you know, your, your, your main, your five, your defender gets the guy to go in the air. Well, Kenny comes from behind and swats it to the moon, um, you know, and, the, and, and they're 
taking better shots offensively. I think that's the key. You know, they're limiting teams defensively, mm-hmm. and then they're going down and they're and they're they're finding themselves, you know, with makeable buckets. And that's yeah. it's it's fun, uh, funny that I say that because I coach my eleven year old son basketball team, and you know, at that age, it's you, as soon as the ball hits your hands, you, you're jacking it up, right? I mean, you got little kids all over the court; <laughs> they're ten feet behind the three point line. The ball hits their hands like I gotta jack it up. I gotta yeah. get a shot. Not a lot of hesitation game at that level. No, no, and I mean, all season, you know, we've preached with these kids. Hey, look. Shoot from inside the free throw line. Get you, you know if you guys keep moving the ball and you keep and you come set some screens, you'll get the easy shots. And I mean they're scoring like 70, 80 points a game. These little guys, it's pretty cra- like which is really crazy at that age because the games aren't that long. Either. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean there's going down and. Uh, anyways, back to back to the big boys. I, I think Oregon's doing that. I mean not shooting it from the free throw line and in, but shooting wide open jump shots. Yeah. You know wide open threes instead of press or force threes and. You know, just again, a really good team. Um, you know, definitely, you know, they're going to play again tonight. And who knows how that'll turn out. But gosh, you really wonder if they can get this done and get in and to the final and maybe meet Washington again, potentially. Uh, I, I don't know if that gets them dancing or not. It's crazy. To your point on shot selection, I think about the revolution that has taken hold in basketball over the last decade. It uh, started really when John Calipari was at Memphis, so maybe maybe 15 years, 20 years ago. But you see offenses that do two things really well. They drive to the rim, get a lay-in or a dunk, and if they can't get that, they take it outside for three. Sure. Everything else, if you look at the spray charts, the shot charts, everything else is blank. And that's what I saw from Oregon last night. They dominated inside, and that set up their outside game. Yeah. And that's how the Ducks win. Yeah, that's you know that's something that you know I think I've mentioned several times you know through the season is that without them having somebody to attack the rim, whoever it is, even if they don't make the bucket, but collapse the defense because you're attacking the rim, you know, and like you said, you're either getting that layup, you're getting the foul, or you're going and drawing, you know, the big man and able to lay it off for your big man who's going to have a layup, mm-hmm. or you're going to draw and be able to kick out for somebody standing at three wide open. Whatever the case is, like you said, that's kind of the, the key that goes in the machine and turns everything. Um, you know, Oregon's definitely doing that. You know, I think Peyton Pritchard's probably playing the best basketball of his Oregon career right now, just not doing any one thing superbly, mm-hmm. but doing a lot of things pretty well. Yeah, and, and the other angle there, we have to mention, so so efficiency has helped the offense. Efficiency has boosted their point totals, but they're blowing teams out, and it's because their defense is lights out on the other end. Yeah, and you know, again, I think Francis Socorro, his development, um, because really at, at you know, this time last year, he was in high school, a junior in high school, and then he, you know, obviously decided to to enter uh, college a year early. So, I mean, he's learning on the fly, and uh, I, you know, his growth is off the charts, at least for this season. Um, and I kind of pegged him as a guy. Maybe I was a little bit, a um, little bit disappointed in early on, but you know, again, I probably should have had my expectations in check because there's he reclassified, came in early. Um, he's looking like he's going to be a two or three year very very solid contributor for Oregon depending on what he does yeah Okoro's been huge I think just giving them another athletic body there on the interior the the team that Oregon has been that that formula of stifling defense it's not my favorite kind of basketball team I love 
I'm, I'm a big Golden State Warriors guy. Right, right. So I love loose and fun, move the ball, drive up the floor, and just outscore the other guy. But the second most effective basketball in my mind is a team like Oregon, where there's going to be nights where the shots don't fall. You, you can't rely on Peyton Pritchard to play out of his mind every game. You can't rely on Lou King, a freshman, right. bailing you out with downtown bombs. But you can always rely on good defense. Yeah. And once it, you know, uh, like you said, buckets and bunches is fun. But, you know, what to Oregon's credit, what they do really, really well is they get you down by 10, 12 points or something like that. Then they start to press. And then it really kind of snowballs after that. That's what they, you know, have started to do a little bit. They really... And once they get you down by 15 or 20, obviously it's it's incredibly hard to come back at any level, especially at college. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I know we're recording this, and, and we won't be able to record until after the Pac-12 tournament's done. But, uh, I mean, it's looking good for them now. Yeah. If, yeah. if, if we have some games to talk about next week with this team, I think they can win those games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, I mean, there's very few teams that are playing hotter than Oregon right now in the country, like nationally, not just in the Pac-12, but nationally. So, you know, we'll see. Um, and, you know, Dana Altman, I mean, that's this is what he does. Yes. That's what he does in March. It's so. crazy to think. I, I know on Scoop Duck people were scratching their head a couple months back thinking, is there a better coach out there? Yeah. <laughs> and now look at it. Yeah. No, I, I, I know. It's crazy. But yeah, I mean, and then, you know, hopefully, you know, as we shift gears, hopefully the women can kind of get back on track. That was a tough loss in the Pac-12 final, but kind of an expected loss in my mind. I mean, you know, you, you go out and you freaking embarrass Stanford like that and don't think they're going to come back with a vengeance. Yeah. You're just, and I, and I know Oregon was prepared for it, but, you know, I mean, I'm sure Stanford had that game circled basically the day after that original meeting when they got shellacked down there in Palo Alto, so... Uh, I'm not. I'm not concerned. I'm not alarmed. Uh, Stanford's a heck of a basketball team, and they're definitely going to make a run through the tournament as well. So I guess we'll just uh, we'll have to see how that one plays out. It's funny that you say expected because that dawned on me as I was driving from Portland to Medford last weekend, and I, I when I drive through Eugene, force a habit, I look for games. So I flip over to 590 where they do the women's games in Eugene, and. It's right before tip-off, and I think, oh, my goodness. If I was in Vegas right now, I would throw all my money on Stanford. Yeah. Because I hear about, oh, yeah, there was a, an injury the first time they faced off. Right. And, oh, yeah, they beat them by 40, and right. Tara Vanderveer's got the whole Stanford school fired up for yeah. this game. And and the fact that Oregon is playing their third game in three nights and right. coming off an OT win where they were completely gassed. Right. I thought, man, everything I own, put everything on Stanford. Yeah. And... I was surprised when the Ducks went on that third quarter run and really made a game of it, but I wasn't surprised by the fourth quarter result where yeah. you just pour everything you have and at a certain point there's nothing left, so you don't have the legs to make jumpers. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think that was a big part of it. But, yeah, I mean, credit, you know, Stanford is such an elite team year in and year out at women's basketball that, you know, uh, and they've got an elite coach that, yeah, I mean, you just you're never gonna walk in against Stanford and 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 beat them by forty two, you know, two twice in the same year. It's just no. it's not gonna happen. Even UConn's not gonna do that. Yeah, yeah, not not at all. So uh, no, uh, and I'm not at all worried. I think, uh, like you said, I think one of the biggest things that you mentioned there was was the wear and tear on the on the legs on the bodies. That was a pretty 
pretty brutal run there. I think the you know the week off or the or the you know the ten days off or whatever the women are getting right now. I think that's a huge huge boost for Oregon going into the tournament. Oh yeah. Well, even with Ruthie back, yeah, you can't tell me that Ruthie's at full strength. Right. No, I so agree. So you give him ten days. Yeah. You let him rest. You let him relax and. I think the other thing, not just true in basketball, but it's true in everything in life. You take some time to unwind, yeah, look back, and now they can really study their season and make improvements. Yeah, and, and you're traveling like that, so you get away from home for so many days. Like, man, I just need to get back home and get in my bed and rest, and you know, get get kind of back into my comfort zone. So, I'm excited for this Oregon women's team. I, you know, I. I I said at the beginning of the season, this might be the season. I still think it is. Mm-hmm. I st- even with the loss Stanford, I still think it is. But I agree. As, as you know, it won't be. I mean, I, you know, nobody can expect it to be easy. They're going to be tested along the way, but they can do it. Yeah. We'll find out Monday. That's when the ladies always do their selections uh, show. Yeah. Looks like two seed Portland Regional, and I'm hoping Notre Dame number one. Yeah. Yeah. That would be... Uh, that would be the best outcome, basically, for Oregon. But yeah, and, and the fact that they're, uh, you know, in Portland's great too. I mean, yeah. that's 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 a big boost. So um, I think overall, the fact that they're healthy. I mean, they don't have any glaring injuries. Yeah, maybe not everybody's on a hundred percent, but there's no team out there with everyone that's a hundred percent right now. Not at this point. So you definitely take your lumps there and and hope that you know Hebert's good and and Sabrina's good and make some noise. Yeah. I think they can go all the way. Yeah, I do too. No question. All right. So baseball, softball, we'll look there and then we'll wrap it. DeLuca unloads on one to left. Back to the wall. Out of here. So we're not experts on baseball or softball by any means. Um, focused on football this week, looking at spring football, looking at hoops with the, the tournament going on for the men right now. But I just want to point out, I think this Oregon baseball team has a lot of potential. Yeah, I you know I was just looking up uh, the the season, the schedule, and everything. You know, obviously, uh, you know the big game last week or earlier this week against Oregon State. They're number six in the country, and you lose seven six. That's respectable. I yeah, mean, that's that's a tough loss, but it's respectable. Uh, if you go and you look back against you know the only the only two ranked teams that Oregon's played has been Texas Tech and Oregon State, both in the top ten. Uh, if you go back and you look, there's there's three losses there. Uh, you have one win, but there's three losses by a combined of four runs. So I mean, you're there. You're competitive. You're with them. You, you know, you're doing things the right way. Uh, I think if you're Coach Horton uh, playing with a relatively young team, you're definitely hoping to build off that for this season. And you got it. You got a tough uh, three game stretch with Washington coming up this weekend in Eugene. Yeah. Yeah, I love the opportunity. We talked about the weather earlier. Love the opportunity for fans to come out there. Pac-12 opener, uh, home conference opener against a good Washington team and really see some of the best pitching in the world on display. Great pitching from the Ducks so far this year. Yeah. No, and it's it's I'm sure it's refreshing for fans to see. I mean, because of, I mean, I I think I think fan support or fan interest, whatever you want to call it, it's been pretty minimal for the past couple of years of baseball. Hopefully this can help kind of rejuvenate the program a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, get it up to the the same frenzy that people have for softball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, huh? <laughs> but that took a while too though. You had that was something that you definitely had to cultivate. So, yeah. um yeah, I mean, I think it'll take Coach Horton a year or two of, of some winning to get people back and interested, but but they can do it, and they're certainly on the right track right now for that. 
Oregon baseball starting off their year uh, against Washington this weekend. Oregon softball, a little bit of a slump for them, dropping out of the polls for the first time since 2010. But I want to see what they do this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, of course, the, 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 the softball, the women have been the most talked about team just because of the turmoil and all that has gone on there, you know, with the offseason. But, but they've certainly rebounded. Looks like they've kind of, I don't want to say it in a sort of plateaued there a little bit at this particular moment. It's like, okay, well, you know, we're a good team. Are we, you know, are we a top 25 team? Are we, not? I think, I think there's still a lot of kinks for, for them to work out as the season progresses, but, um, I think most were probably expecting them to be a lot closer to Ofer than they are right now at this point in the season. So, yeah, certainly, <laughs> you know, kind of take take what you've gotten out of them so far and just hope that they keep building as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect a lot of wins. Uh, number 12, Arizona, hosting them for three this oh. weekend. But you just want to see them compete. Yep. You want to see a team that they're not going to win the Pac-12 this year. They're not going to contend for a national title this year. You just want to see them compete this year. Yes. No. You're. You're. That's what you want out of any. Whether it's you know whether it's football or basketball or baseball or softball, whatever. You, you definitely just want to see them compete. You know. I think when they were winning, I think Coach Lombardi, uh, you know, definitely got the players to buy in a little bit more, and hopefully, you know, she's able to kind of capitalize on that and continue to build on that because that's a very critical component of this season. I think that hits everything. Football, great interview with Micah Pittman. Yeah. Basketball and the spring sports. Yes. Anything else you want to hit on? No, we hit some recruiting already. I mean, we've we've had a full show today, and it's Thirsty Thursday. Really? Yeah. So that means I can't hang out here too long. I got <laughs> I got crap to do. <laughs> He's got to go refill the kegerator. Yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, I got to <laughs> I got to eat lunch first, so that way I can, you know, that way I can. Uh, hey, hey, sustain. I, I got one more thing for you. Just and this is just riffing. Of I, I texted you the other night about this because I noticed you're a huge Hop Valley guy. I have been lately. Yes. When did you find like that? That bubble stash is like candy. Yeah, bubble stash is like my go-to, and you know, I mean, it's a nice light. And then the Bambino stash is awesome too. I mean, you know, I, I think I noticed one of the trends in beer, in craft beer, anyways, is that folks are starting to kind of drift back to the little bit lighter side of drinking you know for a while there we got really crazy with the ipas and 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 the ibus oh, it's like pine juice yeah, yeah getting them up to 9 10 13 percent that was oh let's just get everybody screwed up right i think you've kind of seen the shift back because i know for myself i like to enjoy three or four beers but i don't want to be obliterated <laughs> doing it <laughs> yeah. you know i would like to have three or four beers and still be functional and, you know, the lighter stuff, if that's maybe like four and a half, five and a half, even six and a half percent, you can do that. You yeah. can you can have three or four, enjoy the flavor, enjoy the beer, you know, uh, socialize with your friends and still function. Mm -hmm. You can't have three of those 12 percenters and function. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like I want something if I'm going to watch the Ducks game. I want something that I can sit down and have a couple. Yeah. So I, I drink bubble stash quite a bit. They have the Bambino stash, which you can get out of there. Uh, that stash pack, as they call it or whatever it is, it's the the variety pack which is awesome because it has cryo stash in there too and then uh rogue has one that i drink quite often it's their hot tub scholarship lager um it's a lager <laughs> it's a great name yeah no it's great the, you should see the can it's an awesome awesome can awesome uh but anyway so yeah that's uh those are uh a couple of ones that i tend to kind of grab like i say just being able oh and then uh hop valley has divine shine too divine shine is freaking awesome like it's four and a half percent i think 
So it's just above like Coors Light, but it has great flavor to it. It's a great beer. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, that's a great day drinking beer. Just so we're clear, that's a perfect day drinking beer. Hmm. Like, I mean, because I mean, I would know, obviously. <laughs> hey, I, I don't mean to laugh. I, I laugh at myself more than I laugh at you because I'm I'm a functional. Well, you know what? Semi-functional. Well, I'm yeah. super excited because uh, the kids will be on spring break starting next week. And so for the but next week's only like a half week. But for the full week, uh, you know, Kim and I are going to take all five kids up to Astoria. I, I've, I've, oh, my God. I've been Astorian forever. So, Dude, that's so much fun up there. Yeah, so we're going to take off on like a Sunday and head up there till like Thursday, Friday and, and come back and I've rented a house and everything. And I'm, I mean, I'm excited to go to Astoria and see it and do the Goonies things. And then I'm also excited to see Fort George. Yeah, yeah, go Brewery. to Fort George yeah. and maybe hit up the Tillamook factory on your way down. Yeah, yeah, probably get get through there. Yeah, super excited about that trip though. But yeah, I'm not going to lie. Fort George is definitely, we are definitely hitting Fort George, I promise. Man. Yeah. We've become like the retirees podcast. We're talking about microbrew and tourism on the coast, yep. but I love it. Yeah, Astoria, I'm ho- <laughs> I, just, I don't care if it's, I just, as long as it's not pouring rain, I just hope it's a decent week up there. I mean, you never know what you're going to get, but hopefully it's not too bad. Hey, fingers crossed. Scoop Duck and High Five, Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins, thanks for listening. I can do this now.